0: E doinique toileta tapi to marma que to
1: I'm in a rainy patch of bush on a small block of land near Tauranga, in the Bay of Plenty. With me is Rob McGowan, a teacher of Rongoa Māori. Rob runs workshops on traditional Māori medicine in this block, and they all begin with a karakia. Rob is Pakia. Over the last 20 years, he's run courses on Rongo. He's also dedicated himself to preserving and restoring the bush as the healing cloak of the land. It has become a life mission. a little piece of paradise in here a little piece of paradise
0: and the thing is, see a karakia connects us connects us to the whenua connects us to the people who have been here a long long time ago you know uh, but I don't think we should get too connected today because we're going to get washed away (laughs) (laughs) but but, but, you know uh, when we get a big rain here there'll be a river running through here you know uh, the whole purpose of the vegetation is to stop the hillside from ending up in the river sure you know but if you look into that bush see that should be full of of, of um, supplejack gone you know and the supplejack feeds the, the, the kereru because the berries are always there so uh the kereru can't live here because they've got no food when nothing else is around you know it's all those connections that we've got to you know it's like going off to town without in your kilt without your underpants, you know. (laughs) (laughs) You're vulnerable. (laughs) And and, and, and so so often I'm saying to people, in terms of restoration, our bush has got no underpants. And everyone gets the message, you know, because (laughs) it's these secondary species that enable these big species to
1: thrive. Rob says native plants are disappearing at an alarming rate. Up the path is his nursery where he propagates many of the plants he needs. Nursery's firstly to one,
0: re-vegetate this place, two, to, because I haven't got time to get the plants I use for medicine, I decide I'd grow them. And so most of the plants that I need are actually growing here. The second thing about the nursery is to grow plants for our care group. And because some of them are a little bit tricky, um, I do a lot of the propagating here. And up the top of the valley here, about 3k from here, is the Coyote Falls, which is a spectacular set of waterfalls. And, and uh, I suppose the big aim is uh, to make our little White House stream safe so that the kids can actually swim in it. And, and so we're making good progress with that. Right. So it's, it's basically uh, in our own sort of backyard sort of way buying into that that big vision that so many New Zealanders have to actually bring back the birds, uh, bring back the whitebait, bring back the things that we actually treasure and through the community group that does the work, bring back the whole idea of a rural community
1: Can we have a bit of a look at some of the the things you've got here?
0: Yeah. Another reason for this site here is as many different species as I can fit into it so that people can actually get to know them, to see the differences and, and really switch the mind so that they know what they're walking past. So recognizing
1: recognizing what them. you're dealing with
0: yeah because you could be an expert in killing possums, but how do you know in actual fact that you're achieving anything?
1: By seeing what's coming back when the yeah. possums go yeah.
0: And by see that's a little future on the ground. New Zealand has a distinction of having the biggest future in the world it's a you know those lovely berries that you can eat and the smallest. It's a ground cover.
1: Right, because I'm looking at it and thinking it's a weed, Rob.
0: Indeed, indeed, indeed. (laughs) A weed is a plant that grows where you don't want it. You know, so Pinus radiata can be a weed or it can be New Zealand's biggest export. You know, uh, Manuka can be a weed. Or the thing that's going to make you rich. You know, it's all a matter of perception. And to me, a weed is a plant that's actually out of place. You know... The whole natural world should be in a balance. If one species becomes dominant, that's normally an indication that the place is out of balance and something's going wrong. So it can be a symptom of 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 uh,
1: ecological deterioration, shall we say. Rob's interest in the bush goes back to an experience he had when he was still very young. I've always been a, a plant person.
0: You know, I've always said this the beginning for me is going from walk up north as a five-year-old, with with um, one of those old tarara gentlemen uh, up Mount Auckland, which is up uh, north of uh, of Copper Copper, uh, I think, may be the name for it, uh, because it's called Mount Auckland because at night time you could see the lights of Auckland. <laughs> this is back in the early fifties, you know, and on the way up he stopped and he came to a nico palm pulled off all the branches and got this white stalk out the middle and gave us a piece to eat. And it was lovely. Uh, And I've never got over it. You know, uh, I've never ever eaten it since because it does kill the tree. But
1: that really was the thing that made me aware of what's around me. In the 1960s, Rob started his training for the priesthood. His first posting was to work with local people in Whanganui. It was here that his real education about the bush began. Um, they told me that my first
0: job was to learn to speak Māori. How did that work? Well, I was staying in the presbytery in Māguni, and they were making piu And I thought, well, that'll be the old ladies making the piu pews. And, um, and that's when you hear the Māori spoke, so I decided I'd go and help them. And then... Uh, the story was who was going to go up the flax to get go up the river to get the flax for making the pupus. Pew Who's going to take Auntie Rua up there? And in those days in Mongolia, is the mid 70s, virtually everybody, all the men had jobs in the season either freezing works or shearing or whatever. There were no men available to take Auntie up the river. And here was this priest with a car. So I got the job of taking. Auntie Rua Henare up to Rana to collect, cut flax. So she taught me how to cut flax and how to grow flax and all of those things just by and by. And, uh, and then it came to the whole idea of uh, we've got to dye these. So who's going to take Auntie up the bush to actually get the barks for the dye? So I got that job too because I knew the plants that she wanted anyway. And so I went up there and I learned how to, what plants to get, how to
1: harvest them, and all that sort of stuff. Tell me about this uh, this lady. She uh, she had quite a big part to play in yes. your life. Oh, very much so. She's Rua Henare.
0: The Henare is at a Pipiriki. There's one of the girls that was in the New um, Zealand Netball team up until recently. Uh, that's the Henare family. And there was a, the Tupuna Henare Keriminita. was a very, he was the first Anglican minister for the Waingunui River and a very knowledgeable man. And, um, and Auntie Rua was the person that actually carried that knowledge. So she was a very significant lady in terms of those river people. Um, and so when it came to the whole art of pupu making, especially the dyeing
1: and things like this, she was the person who was there. Um, but uh, it's it's clear uh, anyone meeting you that uh, you're Parkia. Yep, and um, I'm wondering. Uh, I mean, how did you get in into the fuddy <laughs> in terms of the knowledge? Well, you don't really even know
0: those things because. I I remember a turning point for me, uh, going into the bush to collect heno bark, and hino is a is a mature forest sort of tree. It's not an early forest. And uh the bark is really quite hard to get and it only grows in certain places. And going into the bush at Atene with Auntie Urua to collect the Hino and I said to her, It's me, young fellow in my twenties with my machete, I'll cut you a track, Auntie And she said, um, No, 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 I'll be alright, you look after yourself. I said, I said, Okay, okay. Well within a minute she was way up the hill and here was me slaving my way through the 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 supplejack trying to cut a track and I thought well how can this lady who's 50 years older than me move through the bush easier than I can so I she waited for me and I finally caught up with her and then I watched her watched how she moved through those vines and when she saw that I was watching her I think that's when she decided to teach me you know because uh, the thing about it was uh, who was a safe person to teach? You have to be a person that can tell one plant from the next, because she told me that uh, she destroyed her father's book with all his writings, and because she was scared that someone would read the book, not know the plants, and poison somebody. You know, and she realised that I had in a certain degree of knowledge about the bush and then I could tell one plant from the next and so it got to the stage if she needed someone came to her for for a she would ring me up and say next time you're going past such and such will you collect such and such and I would actually collect the leaves she wanted normally I'd leave them on on her back porch on the door handle in a plastic bag because often she was away working she still working as a cook for a sharing gang um but gradually gradually uh she started to deliberately teach me and, and 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 that's how the journey began it's it's a series of coincidences
1: what do you uh, think made auntie Rua um uh be of a mind to uh, to share her knowledge with you well for one thing was i was a priest
0: you know um and and that it for was. the people on the river, that that was something very very significant. Um,
1: you understood the spiritual,
0: yeah. Because you know the foundation of of traditional Maori medicine isn't plants. It's wairua. And 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 they used to say to me because I was always asking questions about plants, and they say, "What do you want to know about plants for? You already got the main medicine." And and it actually. Uh, It took me a long time to realise what they said. You know, some people learn because they're told and they remember and other people learn the hard way and I'm really good
1: on that score. Were you conscious of being given a treasure and and needing to look after it and be careful how you passed it on yourself?
0: Very much so. You're given a treasure and you're given a responsibility. Um, That When I left Wanganui uh, the old ladies were very, very clear um, what you have comes from us, comes from the river you are not to share with anyone who does not up a back to the Whanganui River and for quite some years uh, I, I stuck to that very, very strictly and it was only after here in Tauranga when Te so asked me to teach the people here, some of his people from Ngati Hangarau, Um I, you know then I went back and asked them um, That it's only then that I started to teach because what they said to me was uh, you be very careful uh, because people will take the knowledge from you and throw you away like a bit of waste paper those are more or less the exact words and, and, and so at least if I was within the context of Waikini, those people would look after, would would, would protect me, because when you uh, carry knowledge, there's pressure put on you, there's demand put on you, and and um, I guess they want not wanting me to go into areas where I didn't have support.
1: But but just in just in practical terms, Rob, are, are there medicines in the bush that that, that everyone are allowed? You know, parker and Maori. Oh yeah. So give Is me it, examples. Well, look, early days. If you're living on the land,
0: you know things. You know, for example, um, picking asparagus in Hawke's Bay, and you get go through the stinging nettle. You you get a, a dock leaf and scrunch it up and rub it onto your stinging nettle. I mean. Uh, if you've got a toothache, you can actually make a little wad out of a kawakawa and chew on it, or scrunch up the leaves and rub it onto your skin. Uh, the flax jelly or the mamaku shoot for, for sunburn. There, there are so many practical sorts of things that people do, you know, cobweb for a cut. Have you ever tried that? You know, if you get cut, you put a cobweb it, and not only does it stop the bleeding, but it actually anesthetizes, it, it, it sterilizes the wound. You don't get infection, even if there's flies and all sorts of insects stuck in the cobweb. It's amazing how, how it heals. Now, um, I suppose everybody that lived in the landscape knew a whole lot of things about what to do when you have a little incident or you get sick and things like this. Koromiko, uh, when you got the runs, you know, diarrhoea.
1: Um, and, you know, aside from those quick remedies, yeah. uh, were, were there other remedies like, uh, were there remedies that were a little bit more, you know, significant for more yeah. bigger injuries? Um,
0: to understand the rungwa you need to understand the world in which rungwa sort of developed. Uh, lots of the sicknesses which are common now did not exist in pre-European New Zealand so there's no cure for the measles and things like this. And so like any anything, you, you'd uh, adapt and extend what you know to meet the new realities that you're faced with. But um, in pre-European model, a lot of skin conditions because people lived in the houses that they had. Uh, and so lots and lots of treatments for that. Uh, very active people outside. Lots of treatment for broken bones, for um, all those falls and breaks and injuries. Uh, very, very much there. Lots of chest complaints. So again, that was something that were natural fact. And as things have developed, um, there were ways of responding to quite chronic conditions. So you uh, do you do you use it on a daily basis for yourself and your family? Um, on a regular basis, on on a daily basis, like sp- when springtime comes through, um, I will usually cook up the kumara hoe and drink that because it seems to doesn't take away the hay fever, but it reduces the the energy of it. Depending really what the need is, mingy mingy for for chesty things. If I've if I've got chest issues, I normally put mingy mingi with the kumara ho, cause, um because it seems to add a little bit extra. They all got their own special ways.
1: So basically, uh, you started off as a Catholic priest. You were given this gift of knowledge and the language at the same time. Yep. How do you view yourself in that world? I'm just me, and.
0: Um, and I have something to offer so I share it. When you've got knowledge. My obligation is to keep that knowledge sa- safe and to ensure that it's passed on. And um and I do mine a little bit
1: and and that's what it is. Have you ever been have you ever felt as Pākehā, you know, have you been conscious of your identity as Pākehā? Oh, very much so. In a Māori world.
0: Well, the thing about it is that often you encounter Māori who resent the fact that, that that you have knowledge that they don't have and sometimes people get really quite nasty about that and and you just have to accept that. And and often it's people who are not happy within themselves or whatever. But and, and all you can say is, well, if you if you walk the journey that I've had to walk, um, you would know. Are you prepared to to pay the price? Are you prepared to be in the bush learning when all your mates are at a party? You know, are you prepared for the loneliness of really learning and deep going deep into those things? Um, if you're not prepared to walk that journey, well, don't criticise those that do. You know, uh, the only way to become good at something is to put your heart and soul into it. You feeling positive? Yes and no. Yes, because there are certainly very able people, but somehow we've got to create the opportunity for those people to learn. And, you know, I can think of, like, um, some of the young mothers who are really, really gifted people. uh, Their responsibilities to their children. Uh, Or another person I can have in mind, uh, her first thing is she's got to earn enough money to keep alive. You know, I'd love to take some of these people and have the resources to really give them the chance to put their heart and soul into it because uh, you know, with some of these young ones, really what I want to do is teach them as best I can and let them loose on the world. So I, I'm still not sure that in 50 years' time um, rungo Māori will exist as we know it now. Some aspects of it will, but uh, I'm not sure. I, I do very much know that the, the key to it all is connection to the twinua. It's not just the physical owning of things, it's the actual spiritual connection to that gift of life which comes out of the youth.
1: Has that experience given you also a better understanding of, but you know, a, a, better, a much better understanding than most Pākehā of, of Māori issues, of the Māori world?
0: Well, it's, the whole, to me, Rongoromari isn't uh, knowledge. It's a way of living and a way of belonging to the world. It's sort of given me an understanding that probably it's been an unusual pathway, I suppose. That the it took me many many years to realise that the foundation of the Rongoromari wasn't raka wasn't plants. It was it was waitua, and when I finally started to get that, then the whole thing started to come together. The the fundamental sickness of the human race stems from its loss of connection to the Whenua, to the land. That, as a as a species, we have a, an amazing ability to forget that our gift of life comes from the earth, and that if we don't Look after the earth. Uh, we have no future. You know, my journey, I suppose, in Te Māori, um has made me realise that much, much more than ever. You know, the, the the way the water, the water must be well for us to be well. We must not do things to the earth that will hurt the water. Those are those are the most fundamental lessons that the human race needs to realise and that the most urgent thing we've got to do is help people of today realise it. You know, had
1: you ever imagined that that you'd be in, in, this, in this world now that's so familiar with Te Māori? Oh, gracious no. It,
0: it, you know, it's, it's it's just an amazing journey. The whole thing is you plan your life and then you, your life is dictated by the realities that you encounter. And um th- while I'm learning about you know te Māori and everything and in, in my involvement, the more you know, the m- all you're really learning is how much you don't know. that people might say, "Oh, you're such a knowledgeable person." And I say, "Well, actually, I, I, compared to the people that I knew, i'm I'm just a nobody. you know that we, we've just got remnants.
1: Back outside, the rain's easing. These days a lot of Rob's energy goes into Ngā Rahui, a project aimed at protecting indigenous bush on Māori land. But one of his pressing concerns is the need to find ways to keep the tradition of Rongoa Māori alive. We run courses,
0: uh, we've been doing that for, for over 20 years and, and have taught thousands and thousands of people. Uh, but I'm not sure that we're succeeding in terms, in the long term. And so over the last couple of years, uh, what we've been doing is um, asking people who we feel have, have, the, have the right gifts, shall we say. We are focusing more on people who can actually carry on that role of keeping the knowledge alive. And, and connecting people back to the land is, is one of the key parts to it.
1: And are there young people around that are that are showing the right set of skills and interests? Oh this amazing.
0: One of the the thing that's been amazing to me over the last twelve months is how many people have come up to me and saying words to the effect, I can hear the land calling me. People are beginning to sort of get a feeling that they urgently need to do something more about looking after the landscape. Uh, it's, and there's always been those sort of people, but I, I just can't believe just how m- much that's happening. That, that I think that that um, there is there's something afoot whereby people are beginning to sort of uh, get a feeling that they urgently need to do something more about looking after the landscape and. All I can say is I'm just amazed.